God as I am excited about what God wants to say today. Mark chapter 1. Mark chapter 1. I gave the deacons in training a challenge to study the Bible. And uh, I'm glad that they have accepted that challenge. And I told them to begin in the book of Mark. The book of Mark is a fast-paced, fast-moving book where you find words like immediately, straightway. It's an action-packed book. Mark does not mention a lot of things that the others mentioned in terms of Jewish traditions and the law because his book was primarily written to Gentile readers and believers. So he did not talk to them about things that they would not understand, but he talked to them about things that would draw them to Christ. Amen. He talked a lot about the miracle working power of God in Jesus Christ. And this is what we're going to talk about today. We're going to take a look at the miracle working power of Jesus Christ. Mark chapter 1, starting at verse 40. When you're there, say amen. Remember our Bible challenge. I see some of you took the challenge. To bring your physical Bibles to church. I know we've got these phones and everything, but come on, let's bring that paper version back into style. Amen? It says here, Now a leper came to him, imploring him, kneeling down to him, and saying to him, If you are willing, you can make me clean. Then Jesus moved with compassion, stretched out his hand, and touched him and said to him, I am willing, be cleansed. As soon as he had spoken, immediately... The leprosy left him, and he was cleansed. And he strictly warned him and sent him away at once and said to him, See that you, excuse me, see that you say nothing to anyone, but go your way, show yourself to the priest, and offer for your cleansing those things which Moses commanded as a testimony to them. However, he went out and began to proclaim it freely. And to spread the matter so that Jesus could no longer openly, uh, excuse me, Jesus could no longer openly enter the city, but was outside in deserted places. And they came to him from every direction. Verse 45 is significant. However, he went out and began to proclaim it freely and to spread the matter so that Jesus could no longer openly enter the city but was outside in deserted places, and they came to him from every direction. Thank you, Lord. Amen. I want to speak to you from the topic, trading places. Trading places. Scripture declares, play. How you doing, man? That he that knew no sin became sin, apostles so that we might become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Our righteousness is not in our works, it's not in how good we are, not in how much Bible we read, how often we pray, it is in Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ alone. There's like a, a, a switching of places, if you will. That he took on what we should have taken on. In fact, the scripture says all have sinned. Am I right? 
and come short of what? The glory of God. And it also says in another place that the wages of sin, y'all know the scripture, right? Is death, but the gift of God is what? How? Through Christ Jesus. Our so, so, so it is through Jesus that we go from death to life. We were supposed to die. It was us that was supposed to die because they were our sins. We committed them. How many of you would admit today that you were guilty? Char guilty as charged. Guilty as sin. <laughs> because we were guilty what? Of sin. And, and honestly, it, it amazes me that, that God would send his beautiful, spotless, sinless son to come down here and die in my place. To take on my sins for the stuff that I imagine in my mind to do. And ignored my grandmother and my grandfather who planted good seed in me and did whatever I was big enough and bad enough to do. And it amazed me that, that one day I found out that he came down here and died for me. He took my place. Literally, we traded places. Now I get to live because he died. I'm seated in heavenly places because of him. He came and took on our sin so that we can have life, twins. I think he deserves a hand clap of praise for that. I do. I really do. Thank you, twins. Y'all just clapping up a storm over there. Portia, clap your hands, baby. Yeah. I think that's awesome. She was already clapping. I just wanted to call her name. Now, the scripture tells us that a leper came up to Jesus. I want you to stay with me in this because it's this is such a great text and it's, it's amazing. In verse 40, if we can go back to that, it says, Now a leper came to him, imploring him, kneeling down to him and saying to him, If you are willing, you can make me clean. So there's no doubt about his ability in this text. There's no doubt about the ability of Christ. But his question is to, as to the willingness of Jesus. No, 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 I did that for a purpose. Willingness of Jesus. So the question had nothing to do with his ability or his power or whether or not he could. The question was, will you? I know you can do it. I know you can make me clean. I, I'm convinced because all through the scriptures, I believe that, that, that somehow he got wind of what happened when, when Jesus went to Peter's mother-in-law's house and she had a fever and all Jesus did was touch her hand and the fever left her and immediately she got up and began to serve everybody and then when the sun went down because the Sabbath was hidden, the Sabbath was there, but when the sun went down, now work could be done. They brought everybody in the city to Jesus and he healed many who were sick and he, did, he, he delivered many from the demons that they were possessed with and then it's powerful. Jesus did all this amazing stuff. And he even went to synagogues in the area. And while he was preaching, he set people free from demons. And by the way, he didn't let them say anything because they were going to say his name and they, because they knew who he was. And he didn't want anybody to think that he was associated with any demons. So he shut them up as he put them out. That's power. So the question wasn't as to whether or not he could. The question was as to whether or not he would. And isn't that the same question that many of us ask here today? We believe God can, but we wonder if he will. Quiet church must be the truth. I'll say it again. We believe God can, but we wonder if he will. Now, we won't admit that because we're in the church and we're around other church people, but some of us struggle uh, as to whether or not God will do something that we've asked him to do. That's why we keep asking. 
We're not asking because the scripture says seek and keep on seeking, ask and keep on asking, knock and keep on knocking. We're asking because we're nervous. Oh, God, help me here. We're asking because we're wondering whether or not God heard us correctly the first time and whether or not if we keep on asking God, maybe something will happen. You don't have to raise your hand. Just blink your eyes or touch your neighbor and say, that might be me. That might be me. The question is, is it your will? Is it your will to cleanse me? You have the power to do it, but is it your will to cleanse me? He understood something. Here it is. Let's get this. Point number one. He understood that he had no right to demand anything of Jesus. He had no right to demand anything of Jesus. He did not have the right to walk up to Jesus and say, heal me, cleanse me, fix me. We've had charismatic preachers to tell us that we can tie God's hands to bless us. That we can force God to bless us because his word says that all you have to do is quote his word and you tie his hand. You put God in a position where he has to do it. Let me tell you something. There is no way in the world that we could put God in a position where he has to do anything that he doesn't want to do. So point number one, he understood that he had no right to demand anything of Jesus. He also understood that anything Jesus did for him would be a favor. Touch your neighbor and say, it's all a favor. It's all a favor. He understood that anything that Jesus would do for him, if Jesus would do it, he understood that it would be a favor. You can't force people to do favors. Say amen, somebody. And so we're not, uh, we, we got to understand that we can't put him in a position where he has to do anything. And if he does anything for us, it is a favor. It is not because we deserved it. It is not because of our prayer life. It is not because we said the right stuff. It is not because we're super duper righteous. It is because it is a favor and he decided that he wanted to unlock whatever it is he unlocked in our life. Somebody need to be clapping their hand because the mere fact that you woke up this morning, I want to tell you what it was. It was a favor. You made it here this morning safely, and no car ran you off the road because that was. You have food on your table to eat when you go home. I want you to know that is. Somebody shout favor. Everything good that's happening in your life is a favor. That's what it is. Somebody say, I'm favored of God. I'm favored of God. Sitting here in my right mind, I hadn't lost it. That's a favor from God. God, thank you for your favor. Thank you that my heart is beating. Thank you that my eyes can see, my ears can hear, my hand can clap. I want to thank you for every favor that you ever did for me. Thank you for the woman that you let me marry. Thank you that you didn't let me blow my marriage up. Come on, y'all. Thank you. That was a favor. It's a favor. Somebody say, it's a favor. It's a favor. And if you remember that it's a favor, you'll stay humble. Won't be flying in the face of God and thinking that you can demand something from God. It is an absolute favor. And sometimes we don't know how to treat people who do us favors. Sometimes we start thinking it's just because somebody did us a favor that they owe it to us the next time. You know how it is somebody do us a favor and they do it two or three times consecutively and then we think that, that now from now on they owe us that. And we don't treat it with the level of appreciation that we should. Because we no longer see it as a favor, we see it as a right. Maybe that's why we don't run around the church the way we used to. Maybe that's why we don't, I mean, you know, people say, well, you don't have to do all of that. But I'm going to tell you, every now and then, we should do some of that. Because when you recognize how good God's been and the fact that God didn't have to do none of this. It's hard to be quiet when you realize somebody did something for you they didn't have to do. 
We feel, we feel sometimes entitled, Brianna, have a spirit of entitlement. Like, you're supposed to do this for me. I'm a child of God. You're supposed to bless me. God said, no, baby, it's a favor. Because the reality is, I, I mean, by right, if I followed the rules, I was supposed to kill you. Because you did sin and come short of my glory. But as a favor, I decided to send my son Jesus. The greatest favor ever done to mankind. And he died on the cross. Even when we were his enemies, Christ died for us. Oh, what a favor. Oh, God, I, I, just had, I just had a flashback to some of the stuff he saved me from and delivered me from. Thank you for every favor you ever did. Jesus. Somebody go in and take a minute and thank him for the favors. Come on, take a minute. Come on, we're celebrating Jesus right now. Come on, thank him for the favors. It could have been the other way, but he did me a favor. He did me a favor. Somebody high five your neighbor and say, he did me a favor. <laughs> I didn't get hooked on that dope. Oh, that's a favor. <laughs> Didn't spend the rest of my life in lockup. That's a favor. The accident was bad and I stood outside the car looking at it. Somebody shout, that was a favor. Almost lost my house, but he kept me in there. That was a favor. Favor. a favor that's what it was the promotion on the job the raise it was a favor how many people tried to get that job that you have it was a favor people applied for the job you got had credentials you have they had credentials too that was a favor that's what that was. And when we recognize that it was a favor, we respond to him differently. A shout is easy when you realize my life is a favor from God. Some people went to sleep last night, y'all. They did. They didn't get up this morning. This, right, this moment right here, this is a favor. He realized he had no right to demand anything. I know you can. Your ability is not in question. I just want to know, is it your will? Is it what you want to do and is it what you want to do right now? That's important. Because maybe he wants to do it, but maybe this is not. Oh, God. Can I say, can I say, if it hadn't happened yet, don't give up. I'm trying to stick with my notes, but I feel the power of God in here. If it hadn't happened yet, don't give up. Because maybe it's in his plan, but maybe this is not the scheduled time yet. Somebody touch your neighbor and say, it, happened, it didn't happen for me yet. It hadn't happened for me yet. 
Hadn't happened for me yet, but I'm waiting on it, baby. I'm waiting on it. I believe it's his, I believe it's his will. I just believe it's just not yet. But it's coming. It's coming. Check him out. Check him out now. So he proclaimed his confidence in Jesus and then left the decision up to him. See what he did? He proclaimed his confidence in Jesus and then left the decision up to him. So he said, Jesus, you know what? I'm going to leave it up to you as to how you handle the situation. I just want you to know I know. I need you to know I know. I know you bad. <laughs> I know, I know. I, I heard about some of the stuff you did. All you did was touch her hand and the fever left her. You a bad boy. I know you can. But I'm going to leave the rest up to you. Remember what Jesus said. Father, if there's any way that this cup can pass away from me, let it happen, but not. But, come on, y'all. Even Jesus said, now, God, I know you can stop it. Ah, and no question as to whether or not you can, ah, but I'm going to leave that in your hands. Because Jesus said at one time, if I wanted to, I could call 10,000 angels, but he didn't give me permission to call them, so I kept my mouth shut. Because I'm not operating on my will. I'm operating on his will. We're supposed to pray when we pray. He said, when you pray, Jesus said, when you pray, thy kingdom come. Thy will be done in earth. Come on, y'all, as it is in heaven. We must understand that no one can dictate the agenda or the schedule of Jesus. No one can dictate the agenda or the schedule of Jesus. You just can't do it. I don't care what they say. <laughs> you can't do it. It is not possible. To make him do anything, it's not in his timing to do or in his plan to do. Can't do it. Let me show you something. Here's proof. Verse 35, and, and uh, uh, it should be coming to verse 35. There it, is, there it is. Early in the morning, while it was dark, Jesus got up, left the house. I'm reading from the Amplified Version. That's the New King James there. And went out to a secluded place and was praying there. Normal behavior for Jesus, right? Simon Peter and his companion searched everywhere looking anxiously for him. And they found him and said, everybody is looking for you. He replied, let us go on to the neighboring town so I may preach there also. That is why I came from the Father. Doesn't seem like the right answer. Peter comes with James and John to say, hey, Jesus, everybody's looking for you. Jesus said, come on, let's go to the next town. Come on. Come on. Well, wait a minute, Jesus, all them people looking for you. Why won't you go there? Where they're looking for you at? Jesus said, let's go to the next town because the reason I came here was to preach this gospel, not to do what people. The New American Commentary views his response this way. Are you ready for this? The disciples wanted Jesus to capitalize on his popularity as a miracle worker. But Jesus didn't come to be a miracle worker. He came to be a redeemer. See, the disciples were like, we're in the in crowd now. 
We used to be fishers, now we're fishers of men. And every time Jesus did a miracle, it made them look good. Because his popularity was that popularity. I can't get nobody to go with me. So they said, Jesus, keep doing your miracle because it keeps drawing crowds, and we love the crowds. You could tell they got full of themselves because one time they said, Jesus, tell her to stop crying out after us. You ain't never raised nobody from the dead, put no demons out. Ain't nobody following after you. They're following after Jesus. So, so first, so first, they wanted Jesus to capitalize on his popularity. He's going to be the most, our teacher going to be the most popular teacher in the whole area. He just keep working them here. Keep working them, Jesus. Work them, Jesus. Drive them demons out. Heal that sickness, Jesus. Come on, Jesus. She got a cold, Jesus. Put that cold out. Come on. She got the pneumonia. Put the pneumonia out. She got sciatica. Do something about that sciatica, Jesus. Come on, Jesus. You a miracle worker. Jesus said, no, I'm not. I'm a redeemer. The second thing that they said about this, Pastor Leslie, is this. Watch this. The people actually had no interest in Jesus beyond his miracles. They didn't even like Jesus. They didn't want to know him or his father. They just wanted a miracle. Isn't it somehow some people just want what they want? And the gifted people in the room, can I talk to the gifted people? Y'all gifted people, some people, the only, the only reason they're with you is because of your gift. If you didn't have the gift that you had, they wouldn't even talk to you. They wouldn't be your friend. They hang around you because you got what you got. But if you ever lost it, One of the hardest things for gifted people to deal with is the fact that some people want to use them. Oh, I'm talking to somebody. <laughs> and as soon as you tell them no, you find out how committed to you they are. Now you told them yes a hundred times, but you told them no on the hundred and first, and they never call you again. Well, they do call you, but they call you everything but a child of God. Raise your hand if you know what I'm talking about. It, is, it has been a difficult thing for me. I minister this to other pastors. Is that some people, I said to the pastors, Pastor, some people wouldn't even call your number if you weren't the preacher. People say, stay healthy now because we need that word. Not stay healthy because I love you. Stay healthy because I need that word. Maybe I shouldn't have said that. But since it's real life, I have to be real. But despite the outside pressure to be where others wanted him to be, doing what others wanted him to do, Elder Johnson, Jesus said no to the pressure and the people and followed his purpose. In short, you got to know why you're here. Because people will put pressure on you, hope to be places where you're not supposed to be and to do things that you're not called to do. And we have to have the power, the ability, and the mindset to say no to people and pressure and get in our purpose. So Jesus said, no, I'm not going back over there. I'm going to the other town. Because that's the reason I came. Good stuff. 
I know somebody will say, no, nah, Jesus immediately went and started healing me. No, he didn't. He went to the next city. Ah, isn't that powerful that we can't manipulate him to operate outside his purpose or his plan? Maybe that's how come when we sent them praises up, Nothing seemed to happen. Because we can't manipulate him into doing a miracle. Hadn't talked to him all week. Then get in church and think about everything we need. Well, you said you supply all my needs. You said you live for me. Why the church? Come on, y'all. Talk back to pastor. You said you love your enemies, didn't you? Ain't see you do that. Care nothing about Jesus. And at the time, the disciples were out of pocket. Trying to get Jesus to go back and capitalize on the marketing that was done by the people in the city. Here we find Jesus. Here we find Jesus now. Let's come back to the, to the leper. We're good on time. He stay, we got plenty of time, sir. God bless you. He's standing there with the leper now. Be back with the leper because I wanted to say the leper had respect for Jesus. Let's have respect for Jesus. <clears throat> Let's have respect. He knows he can't force him to do anything. So he says, if you, if, 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 if you want to, you can. And so Jesus, watch this, verse 41. Then moved with compassion, Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him and said to him, what did he say? I am willing. Be cleansed. Now, according to the New American Commentary, move with compassion should be rendered, became angry. He became angry. See, we see the word move the compassion. The, no, he, he became angry in that moment. Now, so my, so in some manuscripts, the Greek word, which is splachnizo, which refers to being moved with pity, pity uh, replaces the original term orgizo, or which indicates anger. Jesus was angry. So my question is, Elder Smith, what was he angry about? I believe that he was angry about the condition of the position and the pain that leprosy caused in the man's life. The condition, the condition that it had him in, uh, uh, covered with sores and, and, and hurting and in the position, being an outcast outside the city, having to, to be disheveled and, and having to cry unclean, unclean and be 50 paces away from the nearest person and not being able to be with his family and not being able to go to church and not being able to have a job, but having to live in, a, in, a, in, a, in another little outside city, outside of town with other people just like him, the position that it put him in and the pain that it caused him. I believe that what Jesus was angry about was condition, position, and pain in the man's life as a result of what he had going on through this leprosy. You see, and so Jesus, watch Jesus now. He, he looks at this man. He is compassionate. He is angry about the man's condition, position, and pain. And he reaches out his hand and he touches him. What it must have done for this man to be touched. 
See, this doesn't mean anything to us because people touch us every day. But for how many ever years this man had leprosy, nobody would come near him. His children wouldn't touch him. His wife wouldn't touch him. I mean, the pastor wouldn't touch him. The doctors wouldn't touch him. Nobody would even get near him. Can you imagine having to live your life 50 paces away from the nearest person and have to cry out unclean? They had to cover their top lip and cry out unclean, unclean. They couldn't comb their hair. They had to be disheveled. They had to be dirty. Can you imagine what it felt like for this man that if he had leprosy for 20 years for somebody to finally touch him? We take it for granted. We don't understand the pain he was in. It was make Jesus unclean to touch him. Jesus, why would you touch him? Because the touch didn't do it. His word did. The scripture says that as soon as he spoke the word, be cleansed. It said the man was cleansed. So the touch didn't do it. So why would you touch him if your word could? Because the word healed his body, but the touch healed his heart. Oh, I don't have no broken hearted people in here. I need everybody in here who's ever been through something and you felt like nobody cared and nobody loved you. I want you to know that he loves you and he cares about you at your deepest places. I love him. I love the way that he doesn't just see what's going on with me externally. I love the way that even though people miss it and they don't know what I'm going through, he can see past my facade. He can see past my phony smile. And he can see that my heart is broken. You see what I'm saying? He could have just spoke a word, but he said, no, this man needs a touch. I'm going to go beyond what you can see. Somebody ought to lift your hands that he went beyond what other people could see. They didn't know you drug yourself to church. You barely got here. And yet he will reach past that and he will touch you. That's so strong to me. Jesus knew his heart needed something more than his body did. Because if I fix his body and I leave his heart broken, then his heart is going to affect the way he lives. He will not walk in his freedom. He will not walk in his wholeness unless I do something with his heart. See, some people, you ain't broke no more, but your heart's still broke. You got the money, but things in here ain't right. I need somebody. You got the job you prayed for, the house you asked for, the car you wanted, but stuff in here is still off, and none of that makes you happy. Where's the real church at? If I could just get that husband, if I could just get that wife, if I could just make this amount of money, and we get there. And we're still broken. We think that external things can heal what's going on inside. It cannot. The man just wanted to be made clean. But Elder Smith, I understand that he does exceeding. And abundantly. Above all, we ask or think. Some of you in this room, he did more for you than you asked for. 
Oh, yes, he did more for you than you asked for. Somebody ought to put a praise. Can I say that, Elder? Somebody ought to put a praise right there. He did more for you than you asked for. See, if you've never been hurt, if you've never felt isolated, if you've never felt unaccepted, misunderstood, then you don't understand what it meant for this man to have somebody touch him, to have your wife reject you and the stranger touch you. Every other man of God that ever came your way rebuked you because you got too close. If you're supposed to be 50 paces away from Jesus, what are you doing at his knees? You're not supposed to be this close to him. And not only does he not rebuke him for being close, he touches him. He touched me. Whoa, he touched me. I feel like singing a little bit. And oh, the joy that floods my soul. Oh, something. Come on, real life. Happened. And now, and now. I know he touched me. What did he do to you? And made me whole. He didn't, he didn't heal you. He made you whole. The word would heal you. The touch. Good God from Zion. I'm I'm doing the best I can to hold it together, but I'm, but he touched him. Imagine with me, if you want to, that he hadn't been touched in 20 years. Imagine going through 20 years of your life and no, your family won't touch you. They won't even get close to you. Can you imagine what it feels like to sit in a chair and they burn it after you leave? You walk away and you see the chair on fire because everybody's scared of you. And after all that time, somebody finally touched me. What it did, what it did for his mental condition. Sister, more for his emotional condition. Now that he's Cleanse, and mind you, he didn't say, heal me. He said, cleanse me. Because anybody who had leprosy, it was seen as a punishment from God, which made you dirty. And anybody who ever touched you would become dirty too. So Jesus risked becoming dirty to cleanse the man. He, he put himself at risk. Y'all know what I thought y'all wanted to have church this morning. He put himself at risk in order to change the man's life. The thing is that Jesus was more contagious than he was. Because instead of Jesus catching what he had, he caught what Jesus had.
y'all see, y'all see that? Do you see that? Do you see that? Oh my God! <laughs> so instead of Jesus becoming like him, he became like Jesus. He that knew no sin became sin so that we might become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. He traded. Y'all, we, we ain't finished yet. I'm about to, let me see what you said. I got time. I'm good. Watch this. So, so as Jesus would normally do, we're almost home. He sent him away and told him to be quiet. Tell nobody. Now, Portia, I don't know if you could keep your mouth shut after a miracle like that. Could you do it, Portia? Could you do it, Ed? Let me tell you, he, he supplied the money. I needed to make a car payment, and I told everybody who would listen. Come on, y'all. Come on, y'all. Some of y'all, some of y'all get a dollar raise on your check and you come to church and say, I just want to testify. I'm making $10 an hour and now I make 11 Woo! Twins. I, <laughs> Pastor, I got a new job. I got a new job. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> I mean, it don't have to be big, Elder. So can you imagine I was a leper? We were lepers? And he healed us. And then he says to us, apostle, the three of us, now don't y'all tell anybody what I just did. Come on now, Jesus. For real? All I want you to do is go to the priest. Because the law says you must go to the priest in order to be declared clean. Because the priest is the one who declared you unclean. So he has to examine you. And then declare you clean. Then you have to offer the offering. That you're supposed to offer to them. So I, I researched back in Leviticus 13. It tells you how to identify a person who is unclean. But. In Leviticus 14, it tells you what kind of offering the person who has been declared clean should offer. We're there already? Oh, this is so powerful. Y'all forgive me. Oh, my God. This is so good. This is so good. I know y'all saying, what's good, Pastor? Hurry up. It's because it's I already know, right? Because I studied it. And I was, you know what I'm saying? You ever see somebody tell a joke and they laughing as they tell a joke because they already know the punchline? That's how I feel right now. This is so good. Okay, okay, get it together, get it together. <laughs> Watch this. Then the Lord spoke to Moses saying, this shall be the law of the leper for the day of his cleansing. He shall be brought to the priest and the priest shall go out of the camp and the priest shall examine him. And indeed, if the leprosy is healed in the leper... Then the priest shall command to take for him who is to be cleansed two living and clean birds, cedar wood, scarlet, and hyssop. And the priest shall command that one of the birds be killed in an earthen vessel over running water. 
As for the living bird, he shall take it, the cedar wood and the scarlet and the hyssop, and dip them and the living bird in the blood of the bird that was killed over the running water. And he shall sprinkle it seven times on him who is to be cleansed from the leprosy and shall pronounce him clean and shall let the living bird loose in the field. So a bird died. And then another bird, the living bird, got dipped in the blood of the bird that died. And then they let the living bird loose. Ah, somebody touch your neighbor and say, he let me loose. <laughs> oh my God, that is so good. He dipped the living bird in the blood of the dead bird and then let the, the, bird, the living bird go. Anybody in here been washed in the blood? <laughs> Of the crucified one. <laughs> In reality, we are the birds. Should have died. But we were washed in his blood. What can wash away my sins? What can make me whole again? Oh, precious is that flow that makes me white as snow. No other found I know nothing. The blood of Jesus. Oh, that's so amazing. That's not all of what he had to do. On the eighth day, he had to offer lambs. They had to be perfect. There was more to it than that, but I just thought that was amazing. So, Elder Smith, as you said, the man didn't stay quiet. Verse 45, that joker went out there and began to proclaim it freely. He didn't do it secretly. Jake, he didn't pull anybody and say, nah, you don't tell nobody now. He, he wasn't quiet. It's like he went to church the next week, stood in front of the whole church, and said, let me tell you what Jesus did for me. He told me not to tell nobody, but I just couldn't keep it. <laughs> and he spread the matter so that Jesus could no longer openly enter the city, but was outside in deserted places. And they came to him from every direction. Watch this, watch this. Wasn't it the true Lasana that the leper used to be the one outside the city? Who couldn't come in the city? Now the leper is in the city? And Jesus is outside the city? They traded in order to heal him. Y'all see that? You know where Jesus was crucified? Outside. Didn't happen within the camp. It happened outside. 
He went out so that we could come. He became sin so that we might become. He traded. Let the weak say. The poor say. I am rich. Oh my God. Sacrifice. He made us. Took on our stuff. So that we could become like him. We're no different than the leper. We're no different than the leper. He put himself at risk. To redeem us. What a beautiful picture. Of the redeeming power and heart of Jesus. That he would sacrifice himself so we could live. You're healed because of his sacrifice. You were in your right mind because of his sacrifice. You are here today because of his sacrifice. And it was a favor too. What he did was a favor. We asked him to save us. And he did. See, with a building full of people who are conscious and aware of the favor done to them, praise ought to be easy. In fact, it shouldn't have to be asked for. It should be so loud in here that we have to ask y'all to quiet down in order to preach the word. Praise and worship should be off the charts because you realize he did me a favor. I was just like that leper. I didn't deserve, I no more deserve to be in his presence than the man on the moon. But because of the sacrifice he made, for us, Clay, say what? And you're going to question why we live for him? You're going to question why all us come here on Sunday? I'll tell you why. Because he took my place. He died my death so that I could live. Everybody just lift your hands for the and just thank him. Thank him for what he did for you. How he paid the penalty. The ransom has been paid. We were held captive by sin and by Satan. And the ransom was paid. The cost was blood. And not the blood of bulls and goats. And turtle doves, not a bird, but the lamb, the lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world, who took away our sins. That's the price that was paid. Aren't the wages of sin death? But he had not committed sin, so he didn't deserve to die. We did. 
But he died so we could live. I come that you might have life. And have it more abundantly. But he died to pay for that. So whenever we start thinking, God owes me. I have a right to. No, it's a favor. And we should respond to him for the favors done. I mean, I know everybody in here was taught good manners and taught to say thank you. It should be so easy for everybody in here to say thank you. Nobody should stand. Elder Smith, Elder Johnson, Elder Darian, nobody should have to stand up front saying, tell the Lord thank you. We ought to have a thank fest right now. Everybody in here ought to just begin to say thank you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for what you did for me. Thank you for the ways that you made. Thank you. Thank you, God. I gave up, but you didn't. I quit, but you didn't. I was ready to die, but you gave me life. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you. Thank you. Nobody knows but you, though, what all he did for you. You understand? You're the only person who knows how deeply you've been touched. So then you are the only person who can respond to it. He touched me deep. All people could see was the external goings on. But nobody could see the internal going on. But he did. Charlotte, he saw it. He reached past the physical and touched us where it really hurt. Didn't he do that? Look at us now. We're here and we're home. You've been praying about things that are going on around you and the Lord is looking at things that are in, in you. He's going to minister to that. You ready for a change? You ready for a difference? He will do it. He says, I will. Love him. He is so amazing to me. I think we just need to meditate on that for just a moment. Lord, just touch now those broken places that nobody can see. Heal. Make us whole. We don't want to just have everything on the outside looking good. We want to be good. We don't want to feel better. We want to be better. We don't want to look together. We want to be together. Only you can do that. Read the books. 
We went to the conferences. We turned in circles. We ran around buildings. And none of that did it. But you had Obosha. You can do it. I'm asking you to release your power in this room right now. I'm asking you to release your power in this room. I know you can. I know you can. I believe you will. I believe you will. This is some of our moments. This is some of our moments right here. We're on the schedule. We're on the schedule. This is the agenda. The name of Jesus. We refuse to hold on. We refuse to hold on to the stuff. But as you deliver us from it, we will release it. Some of us have been delivered before, but we held on to the hurt. We held on to the pain. But today we will let it go. As you do your work, we will let go. Come on, let go right now. Just let it go. Because it's doing you no good to carry it with you. It is burdening you. It is keeping you from living the life that God has called you to live. Today is the day of release. And I'm not talking about him releasing you. It's about you releasing it. I guarantee you that that man didn't walk around saying, I'm a leper. When he said he was cleansed, that man received it and he let leprosy go. Let it go. As he releases you, you release it. In the name of Jesus. Lord, my prayer for the people of God that are being released in this room and delivered in this room and healed in this room, touched in this room, and that they will receive what you're doing and they will release the hurt and the pain and the stuff, the mental anguish. They will let it go for good permanently and that they will walk in the newness of life because that's what the blood purchased for us, newness of life. In the name of Jesus, we pray, amen. Would you clap your hands and give God the glory? Would you clap your hands and give God the glory today?